July 4th, 2023. We're coming to you from the GoGo Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. If you're looking for a spot for a post-flight dinner or drink, the apron at the Western Wall Center YVR. Eat locally fresh. Eat well. Massacres alongside Blake Price, Grace Sassett, and Switches conducting things. This show, presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Auto Group is proud to be a leader in community giving. Applewood's mission is to make things better for our communities and the people that we work with every day, whether providing resources for education, kids, sponsoring local events, Applewood Auto Group stands behind its mission of creating lasting change in our community. Get the best in class experience only the Applewood Auto Group can deliver because, as you know, Blake, mm-hmm. it's all good at Applewood. It is, I've been told. But our poll question today, we are asking you. After a weekend of NHL free agency, are you impressed with what the Vancouver Canucks did? Yes or no? You can vote at Sikharison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds, and Bodog line of the day from me. The Canucks remain 14 to 1 to win the Pacific Division. Saw that going into the draft and free agency. So odds makers not at all moved to move the line on the Canucks. On the Pacific. Edmonton, the favorite at plus 210. Vegas, the cup champion, a slight second choice here at plus 230. And then L.A. at plus 385 on your Bodog line of the day. She spends some time with her friend James Lynch, Bodog ambassador. Yes. And MA journalist mm-hmm. on Friday at Northlands Golf I Course. Heard, had a fantastic uh, round of golf on a beautiful, beautiful day. Uh, well, let's dump, jump in right to the Vancouver Canucks here, Blake. We've had a, a weekend to marinate on it and to look at the rest of the activity in NHL free agency. Most of the big names are now gone. I got to say, I think Patrick Alvin's day looked a little better as the weekend went along. When we signed off Saturday, we were still wondering about JT Confer, Evan Rodriguez, Pius Suter, although we're still waiting on him as we record this. And Confer got a five-year deal. Rodriguez got a four-year deal. Now, they're better players than Teddy Bluger, and so the debate that we had on Saturday, did you get a high enough level player to fill in at third-line center to fill in on top four defense? That still remains, sure. if you want to quibble. Um, but all things considered, they avoided, we think, the long-term anchor contract. I mean... You would hope there was some outs on Susie in the first couple of years if he didn't mesh well work here, but alas, that's what they had to give up to add him on a three-year deal. Boy, the trade market is still very, very flush. We didn't see a lot of the big names that we expected to get traded around the draft go. Well, flush in that, yeah, there's names in the on-deck circle, but actually manifesting these trades is is apparently well, hard. For the Vancouver Canucks, it's especially hard because they don't have a lot to trade with. Now, Alvin said he thought he was done for the most part. He said there were still some ongoing conversations, and, you know, you'll see how the summer develops. I imagine you're looking at the bargain bin. Read Thomas Drance's piece on The Athletic. And I think this is also fair criticism and one we didn't get a ton into on Saturday, but 
you've now spent the Oliver Ekman Larson cap savings and you got very little future value out of it. You got this year value with yeah. the three players, but two of them are on one year deals. Alvin says he thinks Bluger is going to be more of a long term player for them, but just signed a one year deal here. And, and that's wise on behalf of the Canucks. No, this is why I said the you know from the start the OEL buyout was tricky because it's uh, it's life support for a couple of years, but then man, are you hoping this the salary cap goes rocketing up for the next two years in order for you to come out with any sort of net positive? I mean, a four point eight million dollar cap hit for OEL in years three and four is not insignificant. That's a that's a pretty darn good player that isn't playing for your team, and so in some ways, shapes and forms, I, I, I'm applauding the Canucks for their free agency period to date because they didn't screw themselves yeah. for years three and four. I mean, they are asking players, and they've done this in the past, to play up their lineup compared to where they were playing elsewhere, and that's very dangerous, as we have seen with totally OEL, with Tyler Myers with a number of players the Canucks have brought in, or Jason Dickens, over the years. But they're not going to be over a barrel in, in two years' time. That's the good news, is they haven't handcuffed themselves to anyone yeah. who, if they fail to play up the lineup, is going to be the level of a Louis Erickson contract, the level of a Tyler Myers contract, where you're just sitting there going, how do we get out of this? And Matt, with the departure of Tyler Myers eventually, whether it's imminent or a year from now, mm-hmm. Um, that's six million off the cap, and then you get a bump on the cap. Let's let's say it's optimistic. Let's say it goes mm-hmm. up five million next year. There's eleven million in cap space that you otherwise w- wouldn't have had, mm-hmm. and putting back four point eight onto it because of the OEL cap it in, in two years time. Maybe that's maybe that's lesson, but I think the Canucks well, are smart to wait to see it all transpire yeah. before they spend the money. Well, and of course, when we talk about that OEL cap hit a couple of years down the road, it is sizable in terms of dead money, but it's also three million shy of what you would have been paying Oliver Ekman Larson. Totally, and God knows how he would have aged based on what we saw the last two years here. You know, it's funny we've sort of experienced the return of the middle class here to the National Hockey League over the Canada Day weekend, yeah. really out of necessity, cap space being as tight and so little movement. But here's the thing. You're right in terms of there's now, because we've 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 monitored this over the last few years, the $2.5 million guy to the $5 million guy really hasn't existed much. The, or if the, they have, they've been RFAs who are stepping their way up yeah, into right. richer. Younger players. Uh, so, yeah, we saw those contracts Matt, but at the same time, they're shorter term deals and they're really for players that aren't middle class players. They're just, they're bidded up low end free agents that by virtue of necessity only got to that point. So I don't even know that the middle class player by by paycheck is truly a middle class player. Mm-hmm. Um when it's, a, when it's a bad free agency lot, you're still going to get the bidding up process. Well, and of course, um, and, and you touched on it a little bit there, it's the Canucks have positioned themselves for the future here a little better than going out and sp- speak, uh, spending like drunken sailors. Mm. That is going to prove very useful when it comes time for Elias Pettersson to get his new contract. More on that in a second. We know JT Miller's thing. 
like his new deal has kicked in, including yeah. that no move clause. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's the thing. That was one piece that the Canucks had that was quite pliable in a trade. And in fact, he would have been off to Pittsburgh if the Carolina Hurricanes could have returned Vancouver a centerman in a proposed three-way deal at the NHL trade deadline. The other thing that is coming coming into focus here is that if you do their depth chart and line up for opening night, and I've seen Jeff Patterson took a crack at it, I took a crack at it on the weekend as well, you're kind of getting down to a couple of interesting camp battles, and there are more names than this involved, but Pud Colson versus Hoaglander and Willannon versus Hiroshi for that third-pair left-side defenseman, and Hiroshi got a two-year extension on the weekend Yeah, after they had done signing other free agents. Two-way deal and then a one-way deal. Um, I uh, got a This team so badly needs Hiroshi. Well, and Pod Colson. I mean, yes. they really do. Um, you know, whether they have long-term plans with Pod Colson or not, and, and, and Pod Colson hitting his ceiling means they should absolutely want him long-term, but just to rehabilitate the asset, too. I mean, that's a 10th that's a overall pick. Like that, that pedigree stays with you for a little while if you start to back it up. And that becomes a, a trade possibility. I mean, even if he has a, a stellar year, he's not. they're not going to have to overpay for Pod Colson after one decent year. So, God, I, I really hope for their sake Pod Colson performs. Yeah. Hoaglander, I think, is what he is. Um, really? Yeah, like I mean, I mean, I I think that if he's an NHL player, he's probably a fifteen fifteen kind of guy, you know, like in in a perfect world, where he's you know thirty thirty five points. I think that's what Hoaglander is. I don't think he's a top six player, but I mean, hey, fifteen 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 twenty guys are very useful. Hopefully, he can play the penalty kill. Mm-hmm. You know, well, of course, with him, he is going to have to stick at the NHL level the next time he gets an NHL opportunity. Just a couple. Uh, games away from being waiver eligible and at that point it may get tricky to try and send him down so I imagine that Nils Hoaglander and this sounds a bit like a broken record because we talked about it last year heading up to the trade deadline and in the final home stretch drive when there was opportunity for young players to play in games that weren't all that meaningful you know the next time that Nils Hoaglander gets an NHL opportunity it absolutely has to be Nils Hoaglander develops as an NHL player. And if he doesn't, then maybe he's picked up on waivers or at the very least the club's confidence in him, I suspect, will start to have waned if it hasn't if it hasn't already. You hit it in terms of penalty. He's got to be a better defensive player. It's two coaches in a row here who have talked about the defensive shortcomings yeah. of Nils Hoaglander. Well, the BC Lions saw their undefeated season go down and go down hard yesterday at BMO in Toronto. The Argos lead this uh, win this battle of division leaders and undefeated teams in the Canadian Football League, forty-five to twenty-four. Vernon Adams throws six interceptions. It is one off the Canadian Football League record. And look, there's a reason why Vernon Adams hasn't been able to hold down a starting quarterback spot in a few CFL opportunities to date. And we saw some of that yesterday. 
He's trying to fit balls into tight windows. In fact, he's been doing that most of the year and for the most part getting away with it. And some of the interceptions haven't hurt because the defense has played so magnificently. Didn't love some of the reads there last night. You saw them rolling him out a fair bit. And oftentimes you do that when you don't trust a quarterback to sit in the pocket and read the whole field. So you roll him out and have him read a half field. But he was having enough trouble reading a half field last night. I suppose the only good news for Adams is that he was not alone. The special teams gives up a punt return for a touchdown. Defense can't get a stop when you were down two scores in the fourth quarter and needing a stop. So an altogether team loss for the BC Lions. Everybody played their part, offense, defense, special teams, in losing this football game. Mm -hmm. It's great to see Keon Hatcher back for his first game in 2023, and he looked magnificent with eight catches and a touchdown. They still have a lot of weapons, and that receiving core, which seemingly has a a frontline player missing every week to injury, is still doing well. Smoke Mizell in the running game really wasn't there as much yesterday, and, and Mizell's nicked here a little bit, and you got to wonder about that going forward. The good news is they finally get back home here. Sunday against the Montreal Alouettes, it's a 4 p.m. kickoff. It's Fan Fest at the stadium. You can bring the kids. There's bouncy castles and face paintings and activities, giveaways at the door. Kids can run on the field after the game. Tickets start at $25. Kids 17 and under get in for 10 You can go to bclines.com for more details, but you can also win your way in here with Sagaris and Price. We've got a pair of tickets to give away. Our pair comes with a food and beverage voucher and a team store gift card. Text hashtag Lions to 778-402-9680 for your chance to win. That's hashtag Lions, 778-402-9680 for your chance to win. We'll be giving away those tickets later in the week. We've got a contest going on right now with our friends at Best Buy. Go to at Price on Twitter. You'll see the post there. you got to like and retweet it as well as subscribe on YouTube, a chance to win a $50 gift card. We'll be giving that away tomorrow. Right, Grady? Wednesday? We're picking a winner tomorrow, maybe announcing Thursday. Correct. On the program, and the Lions tickets will give away later, later in the weekend. Um, How about a loss is that last night? Very good team. Like, frankly, the Argos remind me of BC a, a fair bit in that that's a really good football team around the quarterback and they're hoping the quarterback steps up and becomes that starting comp. You don't even need to be a franchise quarterback. And the Argos and the Lions are so good around the quarterback position. Just be a very good, dependable starting quarterback. And I think you're going to have some team success. And, of course, the Argos last year, the Grey Cup champions. Well, but I, I how, think, how down are you after? I, I think you're right about, about big play VA here is that there's a reason why. I mean, he's he's got a skill set. He was uh, acclaimed in college. He was acclaimed when he arrived in the CFL as a good project for. But he he has not really launched as a dependable everyday starter, and we we were living on borrowed time to some degree with mm-hmm. him here in BC. And that we hadn't really seen a stinker from. There were a couple of games last year average. where he wasn't very good. Yeah, they were average games. And for the most part, he has done very well here in a yep. half season as a starter and through a first month here this season. There's a lot more to like than to dislike about Vernon Adams and his BC Lions tenure. 
the thing the thing I'm worried about is how do you get this game out of his head now? Like they, it's one thing to say, oh, you just cut off the limb and you move on. We know how the well, human mind works. It became evident early in the game, and I thought Glenn Suter did a fantastic job of pointing it out on the broadcast, that the Argos sort of knew what was coming here. Yeah, They knew what he was comfortable throwing. They seemed to understand where he was reading and where he wanted to go with the football. Uh, I thought that was an exceptional job by the Argos defensive staff last night. Uh, and that's British Columbian Corey Mace as your defensive coordinator. Nice to see a uh, good young coach in the Canadian Football League, uh, and especially from this these parts. But but frankly, I felt like the Argos outcoached BC on that side of the ball with a huge assist from Vernon Adams because he didn't adapt. Well, I was going to say, like, were they creative enough? Like when you, when the passing when the, when the straight up ahead passing isn't working. Mm-hmm. You know, play actions, bootlegs. Well, like, I mean, they rolled them a lot. Yeah. Running game, though. Like, you yeah. Know, you know, like, was there enough creativity shown in the play calling? Especially the second half, the running game is not going to be as effective because, of course, you're playing from a trail position uh, throughout the throughout the fourth quarter. Look, it may well be that Vernon Adams is just good enough to get you beat in mm-hmm. the big game and is going to break your heart. You hope that you get to the playoffs again this year and you see the best of Vernon Adams because that guy can win your Grey Cup. We'll see how he rebounds against the Alouettes on Sunday. We'll talk Whitecaps later in the program. Vancouver Canadians are on the road here this week, so we'll catch up with the Seas again next week. Let's get to the golf report. It's brought to you by the Arnold Palmer-designed Whistler Golf Club, and we've been talking about those buddy trips and corporate groups up at the Whistler Golf Club, but also home of the Nike Pro Shop, featuring exclusive footwear, apparel worn by Tiger, Rory, Brooks, Scotty, Nelly, and more. And, of course, Palmer's Gallery Bar and Grill, featuring one of Whistler's top 10 patios. For more information to book a tee time, visit whistlergolf.com. Fantastic weekend for Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin. He loses in a playoff at the Rocket Mortgage Challenge in Detroit to Ricky Fowler, who gets his first PGA Tour win in four years, it's been six for Hadwin since he won at the Valspar in 2017. But he's up to 35th in the FedEx Cup standings, Blake. Nick Taylor still holding in the top 10 after his Canadian Open win. Corey Connors is right on the cut line at 30th to play for the Tour Championship. And Surrey's Adam Svensson at 37th in the FedEx Cup. There was also a most amusing tweet from Callaway Golf. To Adam Hadwin, did you see this? You know the meme of the gentleman in the yellow blazer rubbing his hands together and licking his lips? Yes. Callaway. Security seeing Adam Hadwin with the chance to celebrate a playoff victory. Again, so well done from Callaway. (laughs) And Hadwin himself at A. Hadwin Golf. Amazing week at the Rocket Classic. Came up a little short, but had a blast battling out with two of the best. Congrats, Ricky Fowler. On a well-deserved win, and uh, I once again implore all of you to follow Jessica Hadwin, Adam's better half on Twitter. She is most amusing, particularly when hus- when uh, hubby is under the lights and glare of the CBS broadcast crew. We should also take the moment, because I don't want to kick this to tomorrow, but it's three days late. <laughs> we should also tip our hat to a guy who has endured... 
uh, us fawning him. Oh, I thought he was done winning time. Like, Bernard Longer got the uh, 46th win of his Champions League career. Champions League career. Champions Tour career. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, that sets a record. That stat we're not terribly surprised by. Mm-hmm. We are surprised that it happens with a victory in his 65th year on the planet. Mm-hmm. And it comes in a major, no less. I thought he was done winning on that tour. Like, you know, looking at earlier this year, looking now at the quality of player on the Champions Tour, Stricker having won the first two majors. Of course, Stephen Ames has had a bang-up season on the Champions Tour. Could well win that tour at the end of the year. We shall see uh, the Tour Championship there. But you're quite right. I mean... 65 is 15 years older than what a lot of winners on that tour are, because typically you turn right. 50 and you get pretty competitive. And pretty. the U.S. Senior Open is no slouch, folks. No, it they isn't. still grow the rough out. Yeah, like it It's still a really hard... Like Think about how you're going to feel at 65, muscling balls out of the rough. Yeah. Nearly blew it at the end. He had the huge lead, and he really spit the bit coming down the last three holes. That's, but he why, had the cushion. that's why you have he the had lead. the cushion. I did want to get to Jessica Hadwin, though. Canada Day tweet. Today is a day about Canada, a place that has given me one of my favorite things in life. It's crazy to think that before 2014, I didn't even know Nanaimo bars existed. Truly a gift. Thank you, Canada. (laughs) And also for my husband. Well done, Jessica. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing Neighborhood Brewing Workshop Spirits in the Penticton V season well underway means it's time to visit the neighborhood watch it's a vendor experience at the south okanagan event center enjoy your favorite neighborhood beers while attending any event or a penticton v's game and blake and i have been there several times fantastic vantage point end of the workday treat yourself to a yellow dog neighborhood or workshop spirit let's get to today's menu it's brought to you by the dutch to breakfast to brunch to lunch get it all at the Dutch, we'll talk to Darren Dreger, our final hit of the season with our NHL insider. He's normally on Wednesdays. He's heading off to his cabbage, as he calls it. You know, when it's in Manitoba, it's a half cabin, it's a half cottage, I guess, right? Ah, so is that what that is? Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Dregs with some interesting tidbits about a player that was pushed on the Vancouver Canucks, and they said no, and it's the type of player that you wonder if in the past – they would have said yes on also a very rosy picture from Patrick Alvin on the hand injury for Tanner Pearson. Well, doesn't exactly jive, and that may be a little bit of posturing with regards to a potential fight and grievance with the union on Tanner Pearson. But Dreg's telling us that Pearson may be not as ready as it was made out to be from the Vancouver Canucks on the weekend, we'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, including the Canucks eyeing a BCHL franchise. Patrick Johnson stops by. We talk tra- free agency with him, talk about the trade market with him as well. After the Vancouver Canucks are very silent on the latter and very busy on the former with three signings. And then we'll get to the Whitecaps later, their loss in Kansas City. And an unbelievable and just flat out wrong schedule ahead for the caps you better go see them here over the next couple weeks because that's gonna be your last chance until well damn your hockey school's back yes well well into school being back yeah 
I mean, we're closer to dropping a puck in an NHL regular season game yeah. by the time they're back. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, they've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the Bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. If Carson Soucy and Ian Cole are going to help the Canucks League Words penalty kill, first they'll have to stay out of the box themselves. That's proved difficult for the pair of free agent defensemen signed by Vancouver on Saturday, the opening day of the new NHL League year. Cole took 28 minor penalties to lead the Tampa Bay Lightning last season, finishing a tie for 12th amongst all NHLers. Soucy was called for 24 minors, tied for the most with Seattle, 42nd overall in the league. Throwing Tyler Myers, who committed 27 minor penalties last year. JT Miller, who got to 20. The Canucks have four of the 57 players in the league who had 20 or more minors last season. And of course, in Vancouver, penalties hurt more than elsewhere. Canucks killed just 71.6% of penalties last season. Dead last amongst 32 clubs. They were 26th in the league in net penalty killing because they're 15 shorthanded goals, second in the NHL after Edmonton. Head coach Rick Tockett wanted a bigger, more robust defense, and he has that after the addition of Susie, 6'5", 208, Cole, 6'1", 225, to go along with the giant Tyler Myers, should they keep him. But we also know that big guys tend to get called for more penalties, and the Canucks may have deepened their penalty kill issues if these newcomers... Can't stay out of the box. That's Welcome Ad for today. We invite your feedback. Feedback channels as follows on email live at securesomeprice.com. You can text 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Your local Great Clips is proudly Canadian-owned and operated. You can book your – oh, on Twitter, I'm at Secures. That's Secure Some Price. You can book your tea times 90 days in advance at Northlands. My guests on Friday were absolutely raving about the condition – of the golf course, Superintendent Steve and his team do a magnificent job there. Join the loyalty program. Price your next round could be free. And, of course, check out that patio overlooking the course on a beautiful, sunshiny type of day. Details at golfnorthlands.com. from Wall Center, a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Auto Group, proud to be a leader in community giving. Applewood's mission to make things better for our communities and the people that we work with every day, whether providing resources for education, kids, sponsoring local events. Applewood Auto Group stands behind its mission of creating lasting change in our community. Get the best in-class experience that only the Applewood Auto Group can deliver. Bodog poll question today asking you after a weekend of NHL 
NHL free agency. Were you impressed with what the Canucks did? Yes or no? You can vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter. Bodog your source for casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. Bodog line of the day, Milos Raonic on the comeback trail at the championships, Wimbledon. Nearly 30 years old now. He plays world number 148, Austrian Dennis Novak, who's also 29 years old. I'm not sure how many more times we're going to be able to say this. So, another game for Milos at minus 110 on your Bodog line of the day. With TSN Hockey Insider, Darren Dreger, one half of the Rain Dregs Hockey Podcast. And this will be our last hit of the summer with Dregs. Less massive Canucks news breaks. Thank you for the time, sir. I hope you're well. Happy Canada Day. Yeah, same to you guys. No, I'm doing well. Uh, we're making our annual pilgrimage to Manitoba to visit uh, the cabbage for the summer. So just nicely on the road. We've got Tiny the Great Dane sedated, uh, sleeping nicely <laughs> in the back uh, in the back seat. And uh, as long as my GPS doesn't scream at us in the next five, yeah. ten minutes, we should be All good. All right. Well, uh, let's have Adder uh, Dregs. First and foremost, overall, what did you make of what the Vancouver Canucks did in free agency? Uh, it was interesting. I think that that's the best way to put it. Um, I think in, in many ways, the Vancouver Canucks are symbolic of the struggles that, that a lot of teams faced in free agency and uh, leading up to the draft in, in some of the trade conversations that Patrick Alvin would have participated in. Uh, I Look, the salary cap isn't new to any club, but when you're a team like Vancouver and you've got to bite down hard in the way that they did and buying out Oliver Ekman Larson and then still looking for additional cap relief and looking for a center and looking for a defense and a winger and all of those things to get all of that work done via trade or free agency was way more difficult and it has been more difficult to this point we're still in early July than I think any of us were predicting I mean going into draft week I think most of us expected that there was going to be a, a, a just a whack of activity. And there was some leading up to the draft, but as we know, on, on Wednesday, round one, that was there was nothing, zero going on. And even in free agency, when you look at some of these super short deals, the money that these players have had to leave on the table, it's, uh, it's, it's been a kind of a, a changing of scenery, I would say, from a player agent and a player perspective than it is from a club standpoint. So I think the jury is still out on Vancouver yeah, I was, and what they did or what they didn't. I was I was amazed at, like, some veterans, uh, and I guess there's, there's different circumstances here, but guys like Luke Shen got three-year deals, but there was an awful yeah. lot of guys, and the Canucks got a couple of them, like, like Ian Cole and, and Bluegers, yeah. on one-year deals. And I think in, in another market, those are guys getting multi-year deals, not long-term deals, but I think they're getting two- to three-year deals, guys like that. Agreed. I mean, Cole is a good player. Uh, Teddy Bluger, let's let's see how that plays out. Uh, I'd like to see more of him, but we know that he's game. We know that he's, he's eager. I, I mean... The benefit of the one-year deal is pretty obvious. It's it's more team-friendly than anything. You know, there's virtually no risk in that, and it keeps that player motivated, keeps that player hungry. Um, but, you know, the upheaval of a one-year deal isn't for everyone. I've had this conversation with Ray Ferraro a number of times on the podcast over the years, and he was a player who needed the security. He needed to feel, feel like... You know, the, the club was committed to him. He didn't have to worry about his family and all of that. And I wonder how that impacts players in today's game 
and and how that influences the type of game that they're able to play. Yeah, it's great to be motivated. You know, I, I would hope that most players are motivated, regardless of their contract. These one-year deals can also bite you in the end. Yeah, they can be unsettling. That's you know what we point. saw? You know what we saw this yeah. weekend, gents? We saw the return of the middle class to the NHL. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Which a lot of people wondered: Would you just pay your stars and then try and get away as cheaply as possible to round out and fill out? the bottom of, the, of your roster um, with given uh, another yeah. year of, of low cap increase, we saw the middle class come yeah. back to the NHL on Canada. Yeah, no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. We did. And, and, you know, there's a combination of how that works too, right? Like, you know, Max Domi, as an example, who signs the one-year deal with the Maple Leafs, you know, he was hoping that there was going to be room for him in Dallas. And then all of a sudden, Matt Duchesne gets bought out by the National Predators. And Dallas is sitting there looking, oh boy, we've got more upside in Matt Duchesne as a free agent than we do in Max Domi. So we're going to commit that $3 million right there to, to Duchesne. And now uh, a market to stay in Dallas disappears for uh, uh, Max Domi. And he ends up... You know, having to take it between the eyes in the one-year deal with the Maple Leafs, so it was a—it's been a bizarre lead-up through free agency and into this first week. Granted, it was probably their third or fourth priority um, dregs, but the Canucks didn't really get that big winger they'd been eyeing. Is there any big wingers left? Have you heard them connected to any uh, hefty wingers on the free? I have not. No, I haven't. But again, that's—that's that's not to say that. You know, there, there aren't pieces that are, are still out there. Um, yeah, and I wonder, you know, let's 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 see how the, the trade wheel turns yeah, here yeah. in the days and the weeks ahead too, right? Because, you know, maybe there's teams that, that, that maybe got more than they were hoping for. I still look at the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't know how they're going to figure all of this out. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though, you know, they've got one-year deals on, uh, on Bertuzzi and, and Max Domi, you know, they have some hefty contracts they're going to sign that don't apply to this upcoming season. But still, you know, all of a sudden you have an abundance. And it seemed like the New York Rangers and the Boston Bruins were signing players left, right, and center. So there are going to be teams that are going to have to comply via cap. So if there isn't a winger available on the open market that appeals to Rick Tockett and Patrick Alvey, then maybe they can still do that via trade. Well, you mentioned the trade market being quiet, and the Canucks may just be a symptom of that, and maybe that's possibly Patrick Alvey and the way he likes to do his business as well. But Dregs, I mean, it sounded like they weren't involved at all on roster players over the course of the draft on the weekend. Did, did you hear Vancouver in deep discussions on any kind of trade no. involving a roster player? Yeah, the old, well, I, I don't know who would have had to have come back from uh, the Canucks, but I, I know that the Philadelphia Flyers were pushing hard to convince Alvin and company they should take Travis Sanheim. Um, and that was after striking out with the Winnipeg Jets. And I, I know Philadelphia was willing to take Nate Schmidt, a uh, tough contract for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Winnipeg pushed away from that. <clears throat> so I suspect that Vancouver would have, you know, if they had indulged, they would have moved out one of their forwards, one of their wingers as well. But that was the only thing really that seemed to be somewhat tangible, I think, from the Canucks standpoint. But there's some there's some there's some big trades that still have to happen, right? Like Eric Carlson's still gotta get traded. There's still there's Calgary. Yeah, there's still yeah. some trades that I mean it, 
I, I suppose hey, business never closes. Can you do stuff in August? Yes, it rarely happens though. So, um, would you suspect that these are July transactions still, or, or do they almost have to wait till September? Yeah, well, if you if you want to throw Calgary into that mix, guys, I don't think that the the Calgary Flames feel any pressure at all to move their players. I mean, they've got good players that are in play. We know this, but there's no sense of urgency to move Noah Hannafin or Michael Backlund and Lynn maybe they get a deal done there. Um, Eric Carlson, that's a complicated transaction. I still think that the Carolina Hurricanes are more likely than not to find a way to, to make that work. And you wonder, does that come at Shea's expense? Is it Brett Pesci who gets moved? And then Alex Brinkett and the Ottawa Senators. That one is a little perplexing. Um, Mostly because of how good a player he is, to bring it that is, but then from a, a financial element to it as well. I've I've been told that he he wants Timo Meyer money, which is eight point eight million Ooh. annually. But he deserves that level of money. When you look head to head, Timo Meyer versus Alex Debrinket, Debrinket's his numbers are right there with Timo Meyer. Um, sounds like he he wants out of Canada or or for family reasons, wants out of Canada. So that really puts Pierre Dorian and the Ottawa Senators in the juice there, even though, as has been reported by Bruce Garriock and others, you know, teams have permission. So there's, you're right. I mean, there's some pretty juicy pieces that still could get moved here in the not-too-distant future. Lastly, Drags, on Tanner Pearson, um, they declared him all ready to go for training camp. Is that jive with what you've heard about that, that troublesome hand? Well, it's wishful thinking, and, you know, I think the comment made by Patrick Alvin was being extremely hopeful, and everybody's hopeful. Uh, you know, Tanner wants to resume his career, but it is way, way too early to submit that he is going to be 100% healthy for training camp. There, you know, he's skating in Ontario. I don't know how much pressure he's putting on that hand if he's shooting pucks yet. I mean, he wasn't very, very recently. So... I don't think he's going to know or his medical team is going to know until he actually gets into the high octane training and maybe there's some physical contact. I mean, look at it. How is he going to push off if that hand isn't working? So there are some concerns that aren't going to be alleviated until he actually gets into that level of experience in training and in playing games. Guys, let's not forget. He's had six or seven procedures to correct all the issues associated with that hand. So, again, I'll repeat myself. He's hopeful. The Canucks are hopeful. But from a medical perspective, there's certainly no guarantee he's going to be ready. Marvelous stuff, my friend, today and all year. Thank you for this. Drive safely. Look forward to chatting with you in September. And uh, enjoy the cabbage, as you call it. Best of luck with the mosquitoes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right, fellas. Thank you. Have a great summer. Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation of the Applewood Auto Group and hashtags the best and worst of Twitter is brought to you by our buddy Jason Hominick of Jason Dodd Mortgage. And here's the thing. When you contact Jason Hominick, you actually contact Jason personally. There's no middleman or staffer taking your call, responding to your email. It's Jason himself with the best advice on mortgages. Get that personal touch from an expert that works for you and not the bank. Find him at Jason.Mortgage. Uh, at Province Sports, Vancouver Canucks making a play to buy the BCHL's Chilliwack Chiefs. This is something that's been in the news over the course of the weekend. The story from Steve Ewan in the province. 
uh, says that any deal with the Canucks would likely involve control of the Chilliwack Coliseum. The Chiefs currently operate the Coliseum until 2029 as part of a public-private partnership with the city that dates back to the building's infancy in 2004. Of course, the Canucks manage and operate the Abbotsford Center as part of their deal with the AHL to move the their farm team, the Canucks, now the Abbotsford Canucks, from Utica. So they're in the business of running buildings and facilities, and the Chiefs seat more than 5,000 at the Coliseum, and in fact, sent a BCHL record with a crowd of 5,008 people back in January for a game against Cranbrook. Yeah, I'm I'm skeptical of what this is all about. To me, mm-hmm. I, I just don't believe that this is just about owning a BCHL team and managing that arena. Um I don't know. I, I'm suspicious. I, yeah. I, have, I have one eye cocked. And not There's that I, usually another shoe to drop with these Canucks, yeah, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they're not a property management business. They are a, uh, they're a, a well, land development business. <laughs> That's what they are. Um, and it's, it's not like they've knocked down the arena because it's a newish arena. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. I can't even theorize what this is about. But the Canucks just owning a BCHL team and running well, that ar- and not and not owning that rink, just running the rink. To me, that's weird. Like uh, there's now, something else there. I'll, I'll say this: uh, a junior A club like the Chilliwack Chiefs is not exactly one step below the American Hockey League. But what it does allow for is now a pathway for the Vancouver Canucks to invest in and give opportunity to young people, be it in the front office, be it in you know stadium operations, things of that nature, where they can get their feet wet in Chilliwack, graduate to Abbotsford, and maybe wind up at Canucks Sports Entertainment at Rogers Arena. Just so, employees, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Hockey I, ops, stadium ops, all sorts of different... But the VCJ is so... Like, it's such a small um, operation. Like, mm-hmm. Maybe they are they looking for a WHL team there like that. I could, I, I could think. Is there ECHL aspirations? Uh, You're a long way uh, from teams in the ECHL, but it's been done before, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I mm-hmm. again, I, I I don't really have a great theory here, but I just find it odd to me. Mm-hmm. Um, at Fridge HNIC, not sure what's out there, but Travis Hamadek's two times $1.1 million in Ottawa, NMC included. This is where we have arrived in this league. Wow. Where $1.1 million defensemen get no move clauses. He probably took less to get that no move clause. But that is still the fact that you have Travis Hammack had a fine season in Ottawa, the former Vancouver Connect did. But I mean, to have the leverage to say, I want a no move clause, like what? Like they gave it to him. No other sport does that for replacement level players. No other sport does that. And I, I, I said this Hockey to you. players like to nest. I said this to you like a week ago. Like I was going down the rabbit hole of free agency and looking who's out there. Folks, do yourself a favor. Whatever your favorite cap site is, go around the league and watch your mind get blown. And who has no trade clauses and no move clauses out there? It's crazy. At Wyshynski, Tyler Bertuzzi's agent Todd Reynolds tells ESPN that they were seeking a long-term deal in free agency. There were some on the table, but no contending team was close to the $5.5 million average annual value, so they pivoted to a one-year deal on a contending team with the cap jumping next summer. Regarding the Bruins, Bertuzzi's camp wanted a long-term deal, couldn't find common ground on money. They go to market, Bruins move on to other business. 
by the time they pivot to a one-year deal happened, the Bruins had already committed cap space to other players. This is the one player, I shouldn't say the one player, because I thought Orlov had a chance as well, that I felt like could get a seven-year deal here in free agency. After Severson uh, went off the market, you were looking at Bertuzzi, Orlov, maybe Confer, but for me that was a jump to get a seven-year deal, and he's doing what some of the Dan Milstein clients are doing, and that is taking a healthy paycheck now and setting themselves up for free agency when the cap is going to increase even more. And in Bertuzzi's case, it's only going to be 29, year, 29 years old when he's next in free agency. And I'll say this, it's a heck of a deal for the Leafs. To be able to replace Michael Bunting with Tyler Bertuzzi on a one-year ticket at just $5.5 million, that's really good stuff from Brad True Living. I mean, Bertuzzi was great in the playoffs, but he was very – well, he's great as a Bruin. But overall, pretty ordinary season. I mean, 30 points in 50 games. Um, I, I think his his playoff, his second half, might have saved him here just a little bit. Um, I think he was riding the coattails of last year's season, really, where he was quite good with the Wings. So – um, seven years. I don't know. That would have been that would have been a lot for Tyler Bertuzzi. He doesn't have much of a resume. Yeah, but he was regarded as the best winger available and best if not the best lot. forward or player yeah. available heading into the Again, exercise on July first. Terrible class of free agents. Mm-hmm. Just terrible. Uh, at the Athletic NHL, the PWHPA Players Union has ratified its collective bargaining agreement. Multiple people involved in the process told the Athletic on Sunday night, a landmark step ahead of the launch of a new women's professional hockey league. This is not without controversy. This um, unification we've been calling for for years um, of the women's game. Not without controversy because, of course, you know, mm. by virtue of having two leagues, you had a lot more people employed then you would ultimately need to make one great unified league. Like, you're not just going to have, you know, how many teams did the PWHPA have, really? Like, four or five, ultimately? You're not just going to add that to the PHF and say, okay, there's our league. Really, there should only be about six to eight teams in a, in a women's league right now, given what the talent pool is like right now. I'm just glad they're centralizing the best players. Right, but the point is that a lot of p- people that are making money right now as professional hockey players are not going to be in this league. And so people are bemoaning that, but that's just the growing pain here, unfortunately, of what's going to be a, a unified league. Lastly, for me at MLB, your AL and NL Pitchers of the Month for June. Congratulations to Ladner's James Paxton. Mm-hmm. And what an incredible story this is. 3-0 on the month, a 174 ERA in 31 innings pitch, 34 strikeouts, league hit just 165 against him. If you have forgotten James Paxton, understandably so. He pitched five games for the Yankees in 2020, was shut down, went for the return tour with the Mariners in 2001, lasted one game and 1.1 innings, did not pitch at all last season, and in his nine starts this year for Boston, he's 4-1 and one with the 270 ERA and putting up the type of numbers that we remember of James Paxton 
back in 2019, 2018 when he was terrific for both the Mariners and the Yankees. Uh, unbelievable. There's not a chance that I would have suspected he could come back and be mm-hmm. and be that good. Last one for me at ABC Seven NY. Breaking news: the men's contest at the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Competition canceled due to weather. Um, there's a bunch of sports. Sorry, you th- can't eat when it's raining outside. No. No, uh, you can soak your hot dog as much as you want, but Mother Nature can't do the soaking for you. Yeah, and uh, wow, there's electricity in the area, and nobody wants overcooked hot dogs. You compete one day a year, though, don't you? Is this not? <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a few others on oh, the circuit, there... I think, a few other stuff. This is the major, obviously. Gosh. Yeah. All right. Yeah, weather, weather can cancel a lot of sporting events, so, including this one. What you're telling me is that there will be less vomit-inducing pictures from Coney Island today, fewer vomit guy memes from our friend Michael Martinago, and less chance for Joey Chestnut to grow his legend. Is this what I'm hearing? What, what's shocking is they are using the word canceled. Like, Oh, not, not postponed. Gonna, not postponed. I, mean, I mean, again, could be semantics, the July 4th thing. Yeah, and that's so. hashtags for today. Joined now by Tuesday regular from the Provincetown Post Media, Mr. Patrick Johnson. This is Harrison Price. How are you? Happy Canada Day. Hope you enjoyed your long weekend. Yes, I had a good time. Happy Independence Day. All that. Yeah, lovely long weekend. You know, the Canucks obviously, you know, Free agency day continuing to be on Canada Day is is what it is with it was, no with no social media. Yes. It was it was yeah that too. It was weird. I mean, definitely weird. Uh, weird getting back on that routine because you know we obviously hadn't had we haven't had free agency day on Canada Day since before the pandemic started. If I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So um, did did you like the weekday draft, but not the weekend free agency? Like I want it all on the weekdays. Shouldn't that all? It's all business. Shouldn't yeah. it all be on weekdays? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm of the opinion that like, why are we doing? I mean, I get it's always been like this, but like, why are we doing free agency on a national holiday? Like, wouldn't you want to make it a standalone media event on a Tuesday or something? As but we know, I, the national hockey league like, likes to avoid the entirety of people's attention. I, yeah, I don't, get, don't, I don't get really it, get it. But anyway, yeah, no, I mean the draft, the midweek draft. You know, I mean it feels like a work day, so that was fine. <laughs> I mean, I work, yeah. I work Tuesday to Saturdays basically anyway. So Saturday, I know, so do we? But it still but, it feels feels like everybody's involved when it's on a weekday. You know? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I it was fine. It was fine. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, it was fine. The 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 sat you know and there is a you know ended up making it like that four day run, you know that part I can understand I can totally understand so but why don't you do draft Tuesday Wednesday and free agency on Friday or something boom there you go that's me but yeah you know busy busy and Canucks I think as everyone said you know they were careful and all these moves essentially make sense, Um, but in a division that is very competitive. Uh, this merely keeps you with the pack and doesn't, you know, there's at no, best. There's no separate. Yeah. You're not pulling Is, is that our conclusion, or... guys? Yeah. Is that our conclusion? This is just barely keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. This isn't getting ahead. And, and that's assuming that all the superstars played just as well as they did last year. I mean, I, I think that's that's where you could, quote unquote, get ahead is, is you know, if Pedersen has another huge year, Hughes is even better and Demko gets back to him himself the full season. Then yeah, but then again, you're moving off of 
like as is always the case, you're moving off a pretty low bar. So yeah. mm-hmm. everything looks impressive when the bar has been set so low over the last decade. So I suppose we'll put you down for a no on the Bodog poll question after a week in a free agency. Were you impressed with what the Canucks did, or, or are you still impressed despite uh, just keeping up with the Joneses? Um, I'm hesitant to say impressed. I mean, it's like I like I said they they didn't sign any uh, fourth liners to four year deals. There was no rationale from the GM saying. Well, well, the fourth year was what it was going to take to get that contract signed. PJ, you know? that was my answer. I'm impressed they didn't hamstring themselves. That that was my imp- that was my impressiveness. Yeah, yeah, you know they didn't, and you know obviously connected. There was some noise about JT Comfer. They didn't end up signing him to a five year deal for five million dollars, which I think would have been a bad choice. So I guess that's impressed. You know, some <laughs> restraint. <laughs> Again, low bar. Comfer and uh, Rodriguez, who got four years. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Patrick Alvin's Canada Day looked better as the weekend went along, and you saw some of these contracts coming on in. Did they miss out on anyone? Was there a free agent out there, or maybe still out there? If you're a friend of, uh, if you're a fan of Pius Suter, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you look at and go, that was good money. That was a good deal. Would have liked that guy at that ticket. Yeah, um, nothing jumped off at me. I mean, they, I think they still need to find a third line center teddy bluger is a handy fourth line checking center um you know patrick Alvin said oh i think he can score 15 goals i mean I, that was the one thing i would say was like oh boy we've heard this story before um he had four last year if i'm not mistaken well, i went down, like the, rabbit hole. Career I went down is... the rabbit hole they've been asking for 15 goals out of teddy bluger for years yeah. in pittsburgh oh, have they? They? Yeah. yeah yeah so yeah it, remember exactly. when brandon sutter was scoring well, 30 here patrick yeah, yeah, yeah. well exactly you know and yeah. we've heard this story before and uh teddy bluger is a fine pickup i think you know he's yeah. imp- he's obviously an upgrade over Niels Alman. I will be honest, I gave Teddy Bluger a Selkie fifth-place vote a few seasons ago. Um, I've always been impressed with the guy as a defensive, you know, penalty-killing type guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a guy who you put on the ice while your stars are resting to not hurt your team, and he's pretty good at that. Uh, but I do not, I have no, no stretch of the imagination sitting here thinking, this is a third-line center. Um yeah, I, I fun. Also, another Latvian. Canucks have had a lot of Latvians in their time. Another Latvian. Yeah, it's actually it's actually Teddy's Bluegers, and I'm not even joking. No, yeah. it is uh, plural. Yes, yeah, yeah, he's dropped yeah. the s's. Yeah, yeah. I know. He's Teddy anglicized. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, I yeah, I think there's still. I mean, we'll see. They've they've um, they're now back over the cap, so they've got to figure that out. And of course, the Pearson question is out there, and the Pullman. Right. Pullman. I mean, I you know we talked Elvin, and he talked very upbeat and positively about Pearson, and we'll see. Um, we'll see. You know, like the guy hasn't handled a puck since I. T- well, I don't know. To be honest, I still don't know if he actually touched the puck when I was there in Vegas in mm. uh, November. But he was on the ice, looking very happy, and before this all went wrong. So. Uh, you know, they're obviously optimistic on him. Of course, that is a real wrench in the works because there's another winger. Um, but uh, Pullman, I think they're pretty much banking on not being here in the fall, given Alvin was, you know, uh, you know, I asked him, he said, well, I'm less certain about that one. And, hmm. you know, feel bad. You know, it was, I can't remember what the exact phrasing was, but yeah, yeah. very clear that they are not expecting. Uh, they're certainly not counting. I mean, they have assembled a roster that clearly does not have Pullman as a factor. Um, so there's a bit of breathing room, I guess. You could go LTIR with it. Where are you on yeah. the Carson Soucy, um impact? Is this a 
fifth defenseman? Is this a fourth defenseman? And where are you slotting him? What's the expectation? I mean, realistically, look at where he played in Winnipeg, right? He was a third-pairing guy in Winnipeg. He played his role very well. Uh, same, in, same in Seattle. Hard-edge guy. Um, does a lot of things really well. Uh, as someone said to me, I, the one question mark will be, he is a guy that takes sort of, you know, aggressive, sometimes careless penalties. Um, will that wear quickly on Canucks fans? I'm not sure. I think I think the fact he is a physical presence, they talked about the reach and all that kind of stuff, which was, I think, was interesting in comparison to Tyler Myers, because I don't think we've ever considered Tyler Myers as being very terribly effective at using his reach. Um but yeah, clearly a player. I mean, they obviously want him to play further up the lineup. Um, whether that's a long-term option, I don't know. Ethan Bear, of course, remains an interesting question in all this because uh, they definitely think that he could play Ethan Bear if they were to sign him. They definitely think he can play higher up the lineup. Um, but yeah, I mean, so he adds, and you know, he he's a he he he's a dependable NHL defenseman. And um, they didn't overcommit to him. I think a three-year deal for a player of his age, he's turning 29. Um, you're, you know, you're playing, you're paying him to be that player till he's 31. Most players are still perfectly fine till they're 31. It's what happens after that becomes the yeah. problem. Um, yeah, I think, I think in the end, he is a player that um, will be a good player for the Vancouver Canucks. Especially if Phil, especially if Philip Ronick's good. Before we move on for this pairing, I yeah. mean, uh, you know, Philip Ronick needs to be exactly what he's yeah. been advertised as, and I'm a little bit skeptical because and I knew who Philip Ronick was before they acquired him, but yeah. he wasn't like a household name. Like if he's a if he's a top two defenseman on a team, like why wasn't Philip Ronick more known NHL wide? Yeah, and I wrote about this a little bit last month when we were doing our. Or sort of review under the microscope reviews. Um, you look at his numbers in Detroit, and you know, in many ways, yeah, obviously the offensive talent is there. He's having a really good year. He's not going to play on the power play like he did. Uh, but, and defensively, you know, sort of at best, you can say he didn't hurt the team any worse. You know, the Detroit was not a very good defensive team. That's not because of Philip Ronick. I think that's clear. But, you know, you do, you look at sort of the relative numbers when he's on and off the ice. Um, the team was not as good as they were with him on the ice, but they weren't, they were hardly um, earth shattering. It was not a night and day situation when he was on the ice. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not saying he, the, the numbers say that he was no worse than any of his peers. There were definitely peers that were worse than him. Um, so, I'm just saying how good he is is certainly debatable. Well, that's what right? I mean. And that's what yeah. I mean. You know, on a not very good team defensively, you know, he works hard. You know, everybody talked about how hard he hit in practice when he finally came back on the ice. Um, clearly works hard, does a lot of things, but but not a player where you're saying, oh my goodness, this guy should be a number one or a number two on another team, on a better yeah. team. Yeah. You know, if anything, he would be lower down the lineup on a better team. So we'll, we'll see. You know, the Canucks do fancy themselves as having been better than the Red Wings were last year. And um, now they're betting that he can be you know, essentially a, a bigger contributor because of the way their lineup is set up and because of the coaches and yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, you know, I think you're exactly right. He's a guy that, uh, you know, he's he's a perfectly fine, pretty solid NHL defenseman. And um, that's that's nothing to sniff at. Um, but I don't I don't think he's a guy that's going to be, oh, my goodness, it's Quinn Hughes, his, like, long-lost brother or yeah. something like that. Now do we know where cool. his brothers are. Yeah. Now do we now do Ian Cole. 
Yeah, I you know, I mean, one year deal. Um, I, I think everyone's kind of said it. Like this is this is in terms of looking for a player. I was surprised, to be perfectly honest, to see a thirty four year old defenseman that had been as successful. Obviously, Tampa is a fantastic place to play. Um, but has been pretty consistent. He's played on some very good teams, and he's been a good fit on some very good teams. So that is a good sign, right? Like, you know, you don't... Jalen Chatfield, we can debate whether he would be any good on a different team. He had a great year in Carolina, but was that about the system? Obviously, because he was very... You know, I mean, in the end, he didn't do anything here. Um, the system wasn't very good, so that didn't help him. Um, but Ian Cole clearly is a guy that has been a good player on some very good teams and still remains a viable commodity. And... Uh, so from a playing standpoint, yeah, I mean, I think he, he is going to help this team. Obviously, I mean, the penalty kill was so obviously a point of focus uh, for this team. And that was my question to him when we talked to him on Zoom on Saturday. I said, tell me about being a penalty killer. And uh, he had a very sort of long, insightful answer that I thought was very good and led me to say, hey, are you going to be a coach when you retire, obviously? And he goes, actually, it's kind of interesting. And, you know, he's a guy that's thought about the game very clearly. He understands the game. He's got a cerebral approach to the game. Um you know, I, I think from that standpoint that, that it makes sense. And like, you know, we know the player is known well to management um, from, from, I mean, honestly, long ago. Mm. But um, yeah, I, I think it was in terms of playing ability, he seems like a pretty good fit. They didn't get the big winger they were searching <laughs> for. I guess they ran out of cap space. <laughs> uh, but they were very quiet on the trade market throughout all of this. Yeah. Patrick, we didn't hear them um, pursuing anybody. I mean, Dreger tells us that Philly pushed Travis Sanheim on them. Yeah. And they resisted. And um, that also goes with their own players. It sounds like at the end of the day, they absolutely weren't going to trade JT Miller this time around, yeah. despite the business with Pittsburgh at the deadline. And I just don't think Pud Colson, Hoaglander, Rathbone, and some of the bit parts uh, added up to much on the trade market, but maybe you tell me. Well, I think Rathbone, I think Rathbone's also, he's the kind of guy that, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a trade at the end of training camp. You know, that's that's as teams finally mm -hmm. shake out their rosters and they're sort of going, oh, okay. Um, you know, I mean, maybe a team takes a stab on him, stab at him on waivers at the beginning of the year. I, you know, the, he's, he, he did, let's be, let's be fair. Like, let's be on, or honest. He, you know, he did struggle as an NHL defenseman. There were things in his game that stood out that I know stood out to the team as well in terms of, you know, the quickness he reads the play, uh, the, the confidence that he plays the game with or lack thereof at the NHL level. Um, the struggles he did have in the AHL initially, obviously he had a pretty good finish to the year, um, but you know a guy that I think we've all agreed has certainly been left over by Akito Hirose just because he is the new thing and they want to see what he's about. Um, I think they have a better, they feel like they have a, a pretty decent book on where Rathbone is at the moment. Um, and you know, the fact that, you know, obviously he's scored goals and he's got his nose for, they scored, you know, he is, he has shown offensively to have some smarts in the NHL. Um, and maybe that is, maybe he is a guy that's just going to have to kind of work his way and he turns into a Brad Hunt type or something like that. You know, a guy that was a, a smaller defenseman who has to really figure out sort of how to make it all work and will live on as a seventh, eighth defenseman. Um, you still want another Chatfield scenario, though, where you, you, yeah. you, you toss the wrath and all of a sudden he's eating 17 minutes yeah. a game somewhere. No, absolutely. Know, like yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. And I, but, I, you know, and I think he, he, 
he probably deserves a chance to kind of get be seen by this new coaching staff, work a little bit with this new new coaching staff. Um, but I get I do get the sense just having sort of talked to them over the season that they there are some serious questions you know i think that we've all seen that they i mean they've obviously seen them there are some questions about his sort of ability to sort of read and react and and deal with you know breakouts and that kind of thing that that i think they now need to you know if they don't if he is here in camp um you know get some preseason games you know that maybe will tell the test tell the tale there um but yeah, I mean, we'll see. Uh, it was, it's interesting. I had people saying, you know, Connor Garland didn't like it here, or was you know would have been fine moving on. I've had someone suggest actually no, no, he's a big brick. Like Tockett loves him. Tockett missed him from Phoenix. He was a big Tockett guy in Phoenix, um, so maybe there's a change there. But in the end, there's like I mentioned with Pearson, like there's a lot of wingers here. And, you know, something's, you've got to think something's going to change. I mean, maybe they're just going into training camp saying we need some, some safety blankets in terms of potential injuries. You always want to have more players than you need, more NHLers than you need. Um, you sort of figure out when you have to. And I could also see that happening. We just go into training camp with this large roster and then they make some decisions at the end of training camp. Well, uh, as soon as I say they're not much on the trade market, Grady Sass gets in my ear and goes, ask him about Kevin LeBanc in San Jose and whether or not there's a Tyler Myers deal there. What did you make of the business last week that Myers <laughs> and uh, the Sharks couldn't be, could be involved in a deal? I think, I think from what I've gathered, I think it is a sense of there's a fit if there's a bunch of other items that happen. Um, and not that it's going to happen but certainly it's been an option that they've laid out if this that you know if a carlson trade you know something like that you know Mm -hmm. like there's a few items that have to happen um yeah so that's kind of where i'm at i mean yeah like yeah kevin lebanc i mean we all remember when he got that incredible value contract and then turned around and didn't have a great year um you know, not the biggest of body either. Doesn't play center or yeah, like I just doesn't much, instinctually so. look mm-hmm. to me like you know. I mean, he's yeah, you know. I mean, he's never scored twenty goals. Um, Sounds very Connor Garlandy. Very you know? Connor Garlandy. I didn't even know. I yeah, I don't even know. He had that one good year. Uh, he's been a handy player on a lately not on a very good team. Um, I'm just. He doesn't, yeah, I, he doesn't strike me as, oh my goodness, this guy, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's had a, he's had a solid NHL career. Uh, he's been, you know, a solid middle six winger, mm-hmm. um, but nothing about him screams, this is a player that is going to move the meter in any direction, you know, it, right. we'll see. I would be, I, I think, I, to, I look at Myers and I think if you're moving Myers out, I mean, there obviously there's, there is a, there's a cap element to this obviously, but he's only got one year left. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how is his value? Like we talked about the possibility of making that deal with Chicago, which obviously didn't happen. Um, there was some logic. I always thought there was a bit of logic in making that one work for him, but, um, yeah, and, and the other thing here is, you don't trade a right shot defenseman on an expiring contract for a winger on an expiring contract yeah. when you have more wingers and you well, aren't quite yeah. sure, uh, yeah, about your defense. We are yeah. um, fresh out of time, and you got to get to development camp. So thank you for I this, <laughs> and we'll talk prospects and development camp and uh, off season leftovers tidbits next week. Absolutely, boys. Thanks, BJ. Thank you.
Jason Price from Lawson, our presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680 to the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. Let's give it right. Vancouver Whitecaps FC fall 3-0 in Sporting Kansas City, so their road woes continue after getting that famous victory over LAFC down at their crib. Mm-hmm. Now, missing five starters to injury and international duty, uh, Tristan Blackman, Brian White were hurt, and then Ali Ahmed, Javane Brown, and Julian Gressel off on international duty at the Gold Cup. Russell Tiber was also hurt. The... Caps were the highest scoring team in MLS by goals per game heading into us. And in fact, like they were sixth in the league in total goals despite playing 18 games versus some sides that had played 2021 going into the weekend. But that was an absolute shellacking uh, for SKC. And it sets up because we talked about, you know, letting some of those teams that are below you in the MLS West, letting them back in with your play. It's the first time the Caps have been shut out in 10 matches. But here's the problem. They're coming home for a three-game homestand against rivals, Seattle Sounders, then Austin, and then the LA Galaxy. And then they don't play at BC Place for an awfully long time. League's Cup is a big interruption, a month-long interruption. And August then, 20th oof. to September 30th, they are gone from this city, Yeah, playing seven straight on the road. Yeah. It's like this whole second half of summer, to some degree, the Caps just vacate this town. Yeah, it's not ideal. No. It's not ideal. Um, you hope that they can make some noise in League's Cup to maintain the attention of, of of their fans, because otherwise, if they they bow out after two matches at League's Cup, which is likely, Club Leon is really good. Um, just explain this tournament. It's it's a th- three team pool, so it's kind of the same format that the World Cup was gonna go to until they changed course. Three team pools. Only the winner of the pool goes on. They play. At and home, they're playing Mexican sides. Yeah, Liga MX and uh, and MLS teams combined. They play Club León here, at BC Place, and then they go down to Galaxy. Galaxy's nothing, so you can mm-hmm. hope for a win there. But Although this may be the one thing Galaxy can win this year, or at least right, they might regroup a little bit. So they don't have Chicharito. Like it's 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 a disaster for them. Um, but you, you got to be Club León and. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, or drub Galaxy more than they drub Galaxy, you know. Yeah. Like, um, so it's going to be tough, and uh, it's a terrible PR for the for the team locally just because of the schedule. I mean, it, well, you just go away. You know, it's an awfully. I have two significant gripes with the cap schedule this year, and, and something that I would hope that Axel Schuster goes to MLS about for next season. Number one is that you could be gone from your hometown and in some of the summer months, or at least, you know, for yeah. the, mo- the last four weeks of summer, you're gone. And then secondly, the 7.30 starts, like every start at 7.30 outside of that opener and, and outside of cup games. That's just... Slows down the kids that can come yeah. to the games. It's not I ideal. mean, 
I've said this before, and you know the Lions disagreed with me for years, or at least told me their season ticket holders disagreed with me for years, and that's fine. But I like to be at BC Place when the sun is out in the afternoon. Yeah, in the summer. Yeah, like I find the four o'clock kickoffs for the Lions, or even the old one p.m. kickoffs for the Caps. Under the brilliant sunshine of BC, please. Like, to me, that's a marvelous summer day. So here's the bad stat. They play Leon on July the 21st. They play one more match between then, July 21st, yep. and through the Labor Day weekend. Through to September 30th. There's like. one more home match. Yeah. I mean, that's it's not great. So get out and see the Caps while you can here against Seattle, Austin, and the Galaxy. Let's get to errors and omissions from Saturdays. Yes, Saturday's program and beyond. I have uh, three all on me. Grady, you're telling me that I did say Matthew Wood fifth overall, not 15th to Nashville last week. There was co- yeah. corroboration from multiple listeners. Hassan's chimed in now. Oh, well, you're if guilty. Hassan said I'm guilty, yeah, so well. be it. Actually, one error is on both of us. We did a video... Again, it was Saturday or Sunday where we talked about the Canucks center depth. We didn't mention Sheldon Dreis. We should have mentioned Sheldon Dreis. Sheldon Dreis had a nice year last year. He can play center. Yep. Is he a solution at third line center? No, I don't think so. But maybe if he can replicate his year, Bluger can hold down the fort. They're in trouble if they're counting on Sheldon Dreis to move yeah. the needle. Uh, no question. But there were times where he was an effective player for them for stretches last year. And then uh, as for the amateur draft, I uh, I predicted and debated with you that the Canucks would absolutely draft a goaltender, that if you have Ian Clark on staff, you take a goalie every year and you see what he can do with the molds of clay, multiple molds of clay, and uh, they didn't take a goaltender. So there you have it. Mm-hmm. Time now for Blake's Bodog line of the day. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. Who you like, what you got? Well, you uh, talked about the Milos Raonic maybe making his final Wimbledon appearance. I, I mean, I'm, I, I hope it's not the case for Rebecca Marino, but who knows? Uh, she's got other interests, other desires in life, and um, she's getting on as well, much like Milos is. She's back at that stage where it's now really tough. Like, yeah, you know, the comeback story was a terrific one. She got herself back in the top 100. She got herself back into these grand slams. But now it's getting through. And this is, you know, it's kind of like the journey in golf from you know, break 100. Sure. Break 90. Break in the 80s really hard. And uh, unlike Milos, who's got the number 150 in the world, Rebecca's got the number 30 in the world. I saw that, a seated player. Uh, Irina Camellia Begu. It's plus 120, though. Yeah. There's some respect there to Mar- for Marino's game. Plus 120 for Rebecca to get the win. Let's go, Rebecca, on your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder to follow us and Rankwide wherever you get your podcasts. And please do support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.